Yes, here we are, Friday evening. Welcome to another edition of the Houston Round Bar View presents Folks Talking Sports. I'm Chris Gardner. Joining me, you see him right there, the youngster of the group, one of the youngsters of the group, Andy Yanez. With, uh, let's see, Pause Fama, JAMA, Community Impact Newspaper, um, still claim Apollo Sports, anything like that? Uh, Apollo Sports is a part of the, the official, I guess, parent company of Pops on the channel. Okay. So, affiliated. Um. Alright. Good deal. And, uh, Willie Gibson should be joining us shortly, hopefully. James Mueller, the sports editor of the Daily Cougar, will try to pop in. I think he's at UH Baseball, so he's gonna try to join us for a few minutes as well. And then at the bottom of this hour, hopefully, Sam Khan from The Athletic, who I've known for for a long time, um, will join us as well. We're going to talk probably more UH football and Big 12 and Dana Hogerson and all those great things. But Mr. Yanez, have you been, did you watch these three UH basketball games, men's basketball games this week, sir? Uh, I wasn't able to watch the Tuesday, Tuesday clincher and they beat Cincinnati much, but I did watch Sundays against Actually, I was there when they played SMU, and then also um, a little bit of the first half on Thursday against Temple. What were your thoughts on the three games, how they looked? Did it look different to you at all, or what? Uh, no, against SMU, um, the thing that caught my eye was really how uh, it seemed like they were, from the get-go, obviously, they were, they were more locked in. Really, SMU didn't ever seem to be in that game. And and something that I know Kevin Thompson mentioned, I think it might have been one of these availabilities he's had so many this week, yep. um, where he feels like his team has grown in the past two weeks. They're better now than where they were two weeks ago. And I think something that you can kind of point to, uh, visually point to, is in that SMU game where it, really the Mustangs had no answer for the Cougars in the paint. Josh Carlton and Fabian White were were destroying them down low in the paint. And SMU switched up. Obviously, of course, their defense, they went – to a couple of different zones throughout the game. They even tried full court pressure and, and it, it, especially whenever SMU was really kind of the first team that really started doing that when they first played up in Dallas, a completely different script where Houston was kind of bamboozled. Uh, they looked a lot, much better, much more prepared, much more polished on Sunday. They never seemed flustered. They never seemed like they were playing at a pace that they didn't want, which is obviously that's, that's one of the things that Houston wants to do. They want to control the pace. They want to slow the game down. Um, and they were able to do that against SMU, against Cincinnati. Uh, similar thing uh, against Temple was where they, they, they had already clinched the American Athletic Conference, you know, but it, there's always the, the concern of, well, hey, we've played two games. I guess that was the third game in, in what, like a five, six day stretch. 35 um, days. And even Coach Sampson was going back. He even started mentioning, uh, Tulane last Wednesday, you know, so that had been yeah. four and yeah. eight days right there. So, yeah. Yeah, and and the all the only thing that UH did was jump off the 15-0 lead and Hogan Temple scored us for the first uh, six plus minutes of that game. So I mean it's been impressive, and obviously there's still uh, Temple was able to claw back a little bit in that first half, but then Houston put them away, and and honestly it's it's impressive what they've been able to do. And uh, they only have one game left in the regular season. It doesn't really matter much in terms of standings in the American Athletic Conference for UH. Obviously they have the number one seed locked up, but 
Uh, something that was brought up that this might, at least in the regular season life, it's going to be the last opportunity for them to try to get a quad one win before, um, for confidence play. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that. It doesn't, and this is me talking about it. It does not seem, I'm getting the vibe in the sense that I would not be shocked if we see more minutes Sunday from Ramon yeah. Walker and Robbie Armbrester and, and those and young Elvin. men and even Ryan Elvin than the regular guys. So, and that's no shade slight to Memphis, but UH has already clinched the regular season championship. So it doesn't, it does not, you know, quad one is okay. I mean, I, that is accurate. No question about that, but their seed is pretty much locked in. They're either going to be a four or four or five seed and, and it matters more to fans than it does to Coach Sampson. So, and I just, what are your thoughts on that? Cause I mean, it doesn't make any difference to me, but four or five seed, but what are your thoughts on that? In terms of NCAA uh, seeding standards, I, I kind of agree with you, especially since the NCAA tournament's a, it's a neutral site. You know, venue. I mean, it's it's not going to be the difference with is the four seed they're playing at Fortita Center or the fifth seed they have to travel. I mean, they're going to have to be on the road regardless of wherever they have to play, uh, depending on their region. And uh, certainly, I think it would probably be wise if we see a lot of less minutes, certainly from guys like Jamal Shedd, Tyler Edwards, who have had to play bulk of minutes. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago when they played uh, Wichita State in that double overtime game, both of those played, both of those players played close to 50 minutes in that in that double OT game. Um, and, and, and even then, I think I did, uh, there was this interesting stat where if, if, say they were to, for whatever reason, they hadn't locked up the number one seed, they had to play their full, their full rotation against Memphis. And then they make it to the championship game in the American Athletic Conference tournament. That, then it goes from them having to play, what, four games in eight days to them having played seven games in 15 days, which is a lot of games in, in a short window. So I think for sure, it'd be, it'd be certainly for, for Houston's perspective, it would be a lot. Smarter to kind of get, get those players a, a key rest, especially when they have everything locked up. And like you mentioned, at the end of the day, the NCAA tournament, is, is there really much of a difference between being a four and a five seed? Not to me. You know, especially I think UH is probably the fourth, fourth seed, so they don't mm-hmm. have any geographic uh, reasoning when the committee picks them because they try to, they try. And it's much more of an issue on, on women's basketball side than the men's side. Try to, uh, place teams nearest to their campus for travel purposes. You know, so they give the fourth seed, the first fourth seed, um, would be the closest location to them. But as the, as the fourth, that's the last one. So you're just going to be whatever's yeah. left. So it's yeah. not going to make a big difference there. And then fifth seed, they, they, if they're the first fifth seed, it won't make much difference. You know, it comes come down to matchups. That's what it, yeah. that's what it is. So coach Sampson touched on that earlier this week. So I'm, I'm just, you know, we're not it, fans. It, Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's something that you mentioned on the, the play action podcast. I believe that that's what it, it was called where, I mean, you, you see that certainly that this Houston team has enough to, to get back to a sweet 16 level. Kind of that uh, second weekend of the NCAA tournament, just because, like you said, they they have their identity, and even you know they obviously the story of the season that they lost Marcus Sasser, they lost Tremont Mark, and still for the most part outside of that two game skid that they have in between uh, SMU and Memphis, 
they've played true to their identity and, and it doesn't matter um that they've had those players out they've always gonna they're gonna go attack the board they're gonna try they're gonna out rebound more, more often than that uh most teams are gonna be more physical more more often than not and uh defense travels and that's that's one of the biggest things that Houston has and you mentioned it three of the four games that they've lost have been whenever they've given up 80 plus points to their opponents and that one the the one outlier in that game they lost I mean Wisconsin was on pace to score 80 plus in the first half right um so that, that certainly seems to there certainly seems to be a recipe for Houston in terms of when they when they win uh, obviously I think the biggest concern heading into the conference tournament and obviously of course the, the bigger NCAA tournament is going to be first health like they can't have, they can't afford another injury to, to anybody at this point. But even then, uh, really uh, keeping Jamal Shedd, Tyler Edwards off the foul trouble, especially with how thin they are at the guard rotation. And, and like you said, being able to play true to their identity on defense, that's that's really going to be um, where they find success in, in the American tournament and in the NCAA tournament. I mean, even uh, the SMU coach, um, I'm blanking on his name. I believe it's Jankovic. Tim, uh, Tim Jankovic, Tim, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, uh, I can't remember who he said it was probably uh, Mark Berman, um, yeah. that he told to where, uh, I mean, he said that no team in the NCAA tournament is going to want to play Houston because of how they play. They have their identity and, you know, they're going to know that for the full 40 minutes, they're going to be in a fight. Agreed. And going to bring in Willie Gibson. Um, some, some stream yard users have had technical issues today, I've heard, and it seems like Willie falls into that pocket. So camera issues. Not working for him. We're going to bring him anyway for his his audio, so his dulcet tones will will grace <laughs> us with his uh, on the show this evening. Mr. Gibson, how are you, sir? Dulcet tones. Wow, I'm good. How are you? Doing well. I'm going to pull up comment from our man Beastkills Town. He's become a consistent commenter on Folk Talking Sports, and feels like um, how about they UH got their second win after those two losses. It looked exhausted during that time. I'd agree with that. Um, go ahead, Andy. No, I was going to say, I would think certainly more after that Memphis, uh, loss. It seemed like that. That was kind of the spark because they, they, I think, and, and Kevin Thompson talked on it where, I mean, when Memphis came into Fertitta Center, they wanted that game. They were the more aggressive yes. team. It was something that, that really rarely do you see where other, another team's more physical. They're, they outplayed them. They forced them to make really uncharacteristic turnovers, mistakes, where I think, you know, first seven minutes, they had like eight turnovers in the first half. Mm-hmm. Just from their pressure and then they, they controlled everything about that game. They controlled the tempo. Uh, they controlled for the most part they were ahead in that game. And I, I think that was a bit of a wake up call where, you know, at least for the most part, uh, certainly at the first half of conference play where even though they didn't have Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark, they had been able to kind of honestly cruise through the first part of the conference schedule. And then they ran into that tough stretch, um, at SMU and then versus Memphis and that, that kind of, be honest, it's probably a little uh, wake-up call that they needed in terms of you know, these these teams are gunning at you, and that's going to be what they're going to expect in the NCAA tournament. That's going to be those teams where they're going to they're going to be coming at you every night because they're trying to advance to win a national championship. Right. And Andy touched on this. I was invited to um, by the owner of Play Action Pool slash Play Action Podcast to talk about the Cougs. Christian McCollum uh, reached out to me, so that is available on that platform. Spoke about five minutes. Audio version is on play. I, I tweeted it out, so go to my Twitter account, VHR Review, for the link to that. And I guess I could do a good job of putting that up here somewhere, my Twitter account. So we could see that. There's a link to it there. But um, we're going to try to start working with 
play action pods, play action pools, sharing work, promotion of each other's work. They, um, Kristen ironically covers Notre Dame athletics, but uh, he also does other sports and he's trying to branch out. He's independent like, like we are for the most part. So we're going to try to work together. He's going to be a guest on next week's show to, to get more insight of, about play action pools, about what they do. So try to grow up, branch out, uh, folks talking sports as well. But I, I want to get you guys take on this in terms of, and Jay, you, you're going right where I'm going, Jay. Yeah. Um, in, in UH case this year, and I feel this way pretty much for any team that's already locked into earning a spot, getting a spot in the tournament, the NCAA tournament. I know the players are proud and players want to win and they don't want to lose and they want to compete and all those things. How important to you, Andy, to you, Will, is winning the conference championship? To me, it's not important at all, but I'm not a player. I'm past, well past my playing days. But Andy, Will, you're the one to jump in first. How important is it to win the conference championship when you already have a spotlight up in the tournament? Um, it depends on the conference. I, and I say that because the Big Ten Conference, Ohio State, basketball, yeah, it's important. It's important. Um, I grew up as a North Carolina fan, so if Carolina lost in the ACC semifinals, eh, another day of rest to get ready for the big dance. So that's what I mean when it depends on on the the conference and that particular team. So you know, so it's a, I guess I would to answer that question. It's a case by case basis, individual basis. And Andy, what do you think on that? No, yeah, from from the players and coaches' perspective, uh, I believe it's Herman Edwards that did the same that you you play to win the game. Uh, certainly from, from a player perspective, from a, I mean, Kelvin Thompson, could you imagine him saying, no, you know what, uh, we're just gonna rest, uh, these guys for the conference. And, and I, he's, 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 we've asked him that in previous years. Last, last year, when it was <laughs> yeah. the COVID, when they had, uh, they, they were gonna be an at-large bid, even if they didn't win the, the tournament. And, uh, who, I think it has been raised where because of COVID issues, uh, is it worth risking, uh, you know, having, uh, a COVID outbreak on your team for a conference tournament? And they still went, they went in Fort Worth. They played. I mean, they ended up winning the whole thing. So if, if they played it through COVID, I don't, I don't see that even being for rest now. Like you said, at the end of the day, even if they get knocked off in the semis and the, in the championship game, it doesn't really matter. And it doesn't matter overall in the grand scheme of things. Now, obviously from a player perspective and a coach's perspective, you know, every game that you go out there, you're going to try to coach, you're going to try to play to, to win the game, but. I guess I certainly understand that perspective where, hey, you know what, maybe if they lose in the semifinals, they get that extra day of rest and, and kind of get like a, closer to a full week before that first round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and you know, and we're talking from an outsider perspective, and, and Jay McElveen, you know, it makes sense to us to rest players during the, the AAC tournament taking place in Fort Worth. Um, women's tournament starts on Monday. Um, and we're going to talk about that in a, in a minute because I got some thoughts on that. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> to us, yes, it makes sense. But to the coaches and the players, <clears throat> they want to win. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they they want to win. That's, that's one thing I've learned over the years when we talk on the pro level about it's the media that talks about tanking. Players don't want to tank. Players don't go on the floor to, or the football field 
to lose. They want to win. They're competitors. You know, the, the larger scheme of things for a higher draft pick, it makes sense to us. <clears throat> but to the players, they want to win. They're going to compete because there's a reason that's to keep a score. It's Coach Sam said a lot. That the reason the scoreboard's on there, <laughs> so they keep a score, we're going to try to win. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, yes, of course, I understand that, but it wouldn't hurt me if they lose in the semifinals and, you know, whatever, you know. <laughs> but that's how far the program has, has come because I'll say this, and I'm not sure how many people, Andy, I'm not even sure where you were. Uh, you might have been in high school, eight years ago. Where were you in high, in eight, eight years ago? Yeah, I was a freshman in high school. Freshman in high school. Ago. Okay. The first year or two, UH lost in the quarterfinal of the AAC tournament. And I think after the second year, I put on Twitter, um, and took some heat for it. I said, UH deserves better than accepting losing in the first round of the conference tournament. And some people were playing, and it blew up over Twitter for a little bit, you know, for our circle, the UH Twitter fan base. Are you asking for Coach Sampson's head? No. I'm asking for us to have higher standards. Because at that time, I think football was, was kicking butt, you know, you know, raining and we were all happy about this or, or we were talk, or that's where the 84 fired coach, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Football raised the bar. So I was just, I just had this mindset of raise the bar and expectation for men's basketball. And well, has been an issue since then, but now lo and behold, if they lose in the semifinals, you know, I'm like, whatever, because they're going to go. I know they're going to the NCAA tournament. They're going to the big dance. So that's how far the program has gone from, you know, eight years ago to now. And the bootleg tournament, that was, I think, the CBI. I think when UH beat Texas, and I think Daniel House hit a game-winning basket, beat the Longhorns. Oh, and that probably was Hawkeye. So, so yeah. Yeah. But, but that's that's how far the program's come, and that's great because you want to see improvement and growth. And now UH is at the point in men's hoops where they expect to win. Every time they play, they expect to win. Period. Whatever it is, they expect to win. They prepare to win, so they're going to try to win. Contrast that, Mr. Gibson, mm-hmm. Mr. Yanez, the UH women's basketball team 7-9 conference record they are the sixth seed in the AAC women's basketball conference tournament they're going to play in the first round whereas the men don't play until the quarterfinal second round on Friday Friday at noon for the for the men UH women will play Monday 5 p.m. against 11 seed Cincinnati game on ESPN plus and I think the audience knows this. We need to remind the audience, people on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, Coach Huey, Coach Ronald Huey, and Coach Kelvin Sampson were hired in the same year. Correct, Andy? Both in 2014. 2014. Mr. Gibson? Mm-hmm. Which of those two coaches has had success, and which of those two coaches has not? Well, you define success. No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, oh, clearly it's Coach Sampson with the, the level of success that he's had. Oh, at a Final Four, um, multiple tournament appearances. 
I mean, clearly it's Coach Sampson. It's a no-brainer, which is another reason why we here on Folks Talking Sports continue to ask, what are the expectations that UH has for women's basketball? Because it 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 looks like eight years in to his tenure, it looks like not making the NCAA tournament for eight years is okay. It's acceptable. They're not going. To, they're not going to win the conference championship this year. They had a chance Wednesday with the win to not play in the first round. Win at South Florida. Win in Tampa. South Florida is one of the top two teams in the conference. UH Trail, what was it? Andy at one point, what was it? 49-16. 49-16 at one point. They got waxed. Okay? So, they had a backdoor chance of still getting a bye if SMU defeated Temple. I think that game was at SMU because they played each other Monday and Wednesday in consecutive games. SMU won at Philly on Monday. SMU, the game was tied in the third quarter, after three quarters at 42. If SMU would have won, SMU would have played Houston in the, I guess, quarterfinal round. Houston beat SMU twice. I wonder if SMU realized in the fourth quarter, maybe we need to, to not play so hard or coach so hard in this fourth quarter. Because lo and behold, Temple got this extra urge of energy in that fourth quarter and took it to the Mustangs and won to set up a third meeting with SMU in the now going to be in the quarterfinals to set up Houston as a six seed facing 11 seed Cincinnati in the first round. The winner of that game will face three seed Tulane in the quarterfinals. And most likely, Houston season will end Monday or Tuesday. I'm not even sure they're going to win Monday. It wouldn't shock me if they lose Monday. They shouldn't lose Monday, but I wouldn't be surprised. And then we'll just see what um, President Couture, Chris Pesman, Luana Chizer will do with basketball, women's basketball, and probably nothing. But there's my rant on that. So thoughts on that, gentlemen? That's why you want to leave your 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 fate in other other's hands. I mean, that's why and Andy said it earlier. Coach Coach Harm Edwards, he played to win the game. Um. I'm quite sure you look throughout the season, there was a game that Houston women's team could have won. They probably should have won, and they wouldn't find themselves in this situation. So, yes, you know, yeah, this is a classic example of not leaving your fate in someone else's hands. Agreed. And, I mean, I, I forgot. You know, shame on me. I forgot that Coach Huey and Coach Sampson were hired in the same year. So there, I mean, there is a direct parallel to look at what's important to the university for sports and what's not. Eight years in, you've had success in men's basketball. NCAA tournaments, deep runs into the NCAA tournament, Final Four, women's side. You got, you were the first team with team 65, um, last season with the, you know, knocking on the door to be in the tournament. That's it. And here's the irony of it. They were team 65 one year too soon because this season 
the NCAA expanded on women's basketball to 68 teams. Mm-hmm. And this year, they're nowhere close <laughs> to being one of the 68 best teams in women's basketball. So unless they shock the world and win the AAC Conference Championship, they're going to be home. I mean, I guess there's a chance they could get an invite to the WNIT. I doubt it, though, because it yeah, I, yeah, I doubt it because the first two teams, UCF and USF, will go to the NCAA, and then probably third place Tulane will go to the WNIT, and then maybe if teams turn down invites, maybe UH has a chance. But other than that, they're done. Next week, Andy, what was the women's uh, motto this year? It was unfinished business, Mr. Gibson. Unfinished business. They'll be done possibly. March 11th or March 12th. Wow. You know, wow. Yeah. And that, that says it all. And I wanted to last night after when the, the men's team was cutting down the net, I wanted to talk to Chris Pesman on the court. I mean, damn near confront him. <laughs> I mean, really confront him right there and just say, ask him. Yo, man, what are you going to do about women's basketball? Because this <laughs> net cut down nets on the fella side, it's been 11, 12 years since they've had success in women's basketball. Do you care about that? I mean, I really want to, but I, I didn't, I didn't, cause I'm still hoping to talk to the man one-on-one in a private setting to get some answers because this, and this is not a personal attack against Ronald Hughes. This is a simple question of, is your goal to get to the NCAA tournament? Because if it is, do something about it. If it's not, just keep doing what you do. You know? And then stop wondering about why don't people come to our games? Why don't people care about women's basketball? Because y'all don't. Y'all don't care. So, come here. put it up there. For the, the slogan next season is going to be out of business. Well, they won't be out of business. You know, women's hoops at UH is a profit loser. Okay, understood. But do you want to, the investment has been there. Facilities are nice. But the results are not there. And isn't that the whole point? To get results? To get to the NCAA tournament? And I say it, I've said it so many times. The job is still in demand because of the location, because of the facilities, because of now the move to the Big 12. Coaches still want this job. Coaches still believe they can do this job and lead Houston to Houston women's basketball to the NCAA tournament. Trust me when I tell you that. This job is still in demand, which may surprise some people. But if the administration is like, eh, well, you know, we're, we're good with what they're doing. Okay. Then I, we'll stop. I'll stop caring. I'll stop talking about y'all and move on. And you know what I can do, gentlemen, before hopefully Mr. Khan, Sam Khan joins us. You know what I can do? It's not this segment with y'all on screen is brought to you by Steve Saxinian. What I can do is do this. The HBU women's basketball team. We'll look to become HBU's first team to win a Southland Conference regular season title outright when they host McNeese tomorrow, Saturday afternoon, 
2 p.m. in Sharp Gym. HBU women, 15 and 9 overall, 11 and 2 in the Southland Conference. You rate 79 in the American. I know it's worlds of difference in talent, whatever, but 11 and 2 is 11 and 2 in your conference. You rate, if you can't even dominate your conference, I mean, really, that's a problem. Saturday is also senior day for HBU seniors, Anna McGuire, and Patience Adoko. Gentlemen, I could also talk about first year coach, Rice Isles head coach, women's basketball, Lindsey Edmond, Willie Gibson, Andy Yannett, yes. B Skill, Jay, folks watching on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Lindsey Edmond, her 7-9 record with seven players. Rice has seven healthy players. 12 and 12 in, in overall, 7-9 in conference. They clinched a first round bye in their conference USA in the tournament. First year head coach, Will. Yep. So I can look not far at success at other women's programs. And oh, by the way, CSU women's head coach, teach women's basketball, injuries to their program, injuries in COVID, Decimated them. 11 and 6 in the SWAC. They're going to the conference tournament, SWAC tournament. Prairie View, 9 and 8 in the SWAC. Uh, Will, are you noticing a pattern here? Uh, yeah, I am. Oh, you know, y'all can say it. You know, I'm throwing shade at the program. I'm, I'm not throwing shade at Coach Hughes. I'm going to say that Chris Tesman, Rena Couture, President Couture, and Dwana Tizer, the senior women's administrator. Simple. Do you want to get to the women's NCAA tournament or not? Simple. And that, that's where we are. And Coach Evans, in her first year, she's got a, a talented recruiting class coming in. And guys, let me say, you talk about you, the job coach Kelvin Sampson's done with nine players. She's winning with seven players. <laughs> seven! And I'm going to put this up here. For, for David, do I, you think people want to care? There are people who want to care. And the question is, and I've heard some of you people want to get rid of Coach Hughes. But I don't know if they have enough pull to make that happen. So yes, those folks care. Okay. I go back. I started covering UH basketball, wins basketball when the best player in program history, Chandy Jones, was there. Go back 2002, 2003. So 20 years. When, and Andy, you were what? One? <laughs> Two thousand, uh, 2002, 2003? I was two or three. Okay. So. Think about this is how much basketball has changed. Carmen USA back then, 2002-2003. Houston, DePaul, Louisville, TCU were all in the same conference for women's basketball. Carmen USA was one of the best conferences for women's basketball in the country, period. And UH women's basketball was cream of the crop. Since then, what's the opposite of cream of the crop? Bottom of the barrel. There you go. <laughs> so that's the issue. 
And so there are people I still care. But the issue is does the administration care? Because one reason why I shifted to Texas A&M, Baylor, UConn, I get more interest and support and views when I discuss UConn and post UConn videos than anything with women's basketball, U.S. women's basketball. So that's why I went national, because of the lack of interest here. Ain't hurt me none. I go to Women's Final Four every year, no problem. And joining us right now, big time, big time, Sam Kahn Jr. from The Athletic. How are you, sir? Good, how are you? We're doing great. Thank you for joining us here on Folk Talking Sports. I just had to rant about the lack of apparent support or care from the UH administration about women's basketball. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> we're going to talk about football, Coach Dana Hogerson, Big 12. You were... What story did you break first, Sam? Oh, you you were the contract numbers. Which one of those? Yeah, I was able to get the contract details and and a little bit about the uh, staff salary pool and a few other things that they are doing uh, in preparation for the Big Twelve. So uh, it looks like the uh, UH administration is stepping up from a football football standpoint as as it enters the new league for sure. And how important? And Andy, will feel free to chime in with questions for Sam. How important is it to increase the the salary pool for the football assistant coaches that that one's huge i think that i would argue that's more important than raising dana holgerson's salary which uh which they did but only only a little bit they they didn't really go to break the bank and they're not paying him seven or eight million dollars a year or anything like that he's getting a hundred thousand dollar raises which you know ain't, ain't bad for, for i know for, for one of us it wouldn't be too bad but the the staff salary pool is important because it allows you to retain coaches uh doug belk is, is a perfect example the defense coordinator who I would argue did the best job on that staff this year. Uh, that, that defense was in the top 15 in multiple categories nationally. And he had opportunities to go elsewhere, uh, whether it was in other schools or, uh, you know, Pesman even told me NFL, NFL teams that had, uh, inquired about him. So there, there are opportunities for him to move on. And I think five or 10 years ago, a guy like him probably would have moved on because. U of H would not have been in a place to be able to step up financially to keep him, but they were able to, to give him a raise to a million dollars. And then, um, they, they were also able to fill out some of the support staff as well. And I think that, that is critical, the support staff part, you know, all, and we're talking like recruiting people, we're talking analysts. Uh, as we continue to evolve in college football, we move into this deeper into this transfer portal era and we deep, move deeper into NIL. You need a lot of people running a recruiting department because there's a lot of things to do now. It's not just, hey, let's identify a guy, evaluate him, and offer him a scholarship. That those days are way past. It's a lot more that goes into it. There's graphic design, there's photo shoots, there's the uh, a number a number of visits they do. I mean, lots of junior days that happen these days that um, they have to be big time experiences when prospects come on campus. So there's a lot of people that are required to do all that, and and bumping that staff salary pool up allows you to hire more of those people and retain the, the full-time coaches that you already have. And see, I, I, I never even think about stuff like that, that kind of staff. See, that's why Sam's on the show right now, <laughs> to enlighten me about that. And do you have any questions for, for Sam? No, just kind of touching along those lines, Sam, you, I, I'd imagine that's, that's really got to be one of the biggest reasons why uh, the University of Houston is 
kind of gone all in into that, that other football facility that they announced in their Board of Regents meeting like last week, I believe. Yeah, that that's that that's one of the big next steps uh for them financially and, and in terms of just competing and that'll have a trickle down effect to the other sports too, because once mm-hmm. that building is built and football moves out of the Athletics Alumni Center, then you're able to give more space. You that space that football uses currently now can go to other sports on campus. They they can move those around. The weight room can be used for those other sports, the Olympic sports. Uh, cause right now, obviously football uses that as well. Well, they'll have their own weight room in the new building. So that has an impact, uh, in, in that regard. But, you know, Texas Tech has one of those, you know, football ops buildings and they're going to build, I think, a new one in their, uh, end zone, uh, facility. Baylor is working on a new building. They, they are right now kind of similar to U of H. They have a little bit of a bigger athletics building, but they are kind of in a wing in a athletics building that, that is for the entire department. They, Baylor in a couple of years will, end up having their own football ops building as well. So that's that's one of those things that, you know, A&M, Texas, all your blue bloods have. Uh, you know, Alabama's Ohio State soil, they have buildings like that. And now it's like it's coming down to those those power fives and, and even some high-end group of fives are starting to have them. Uh, so SMU is building one uh, in a few years. So uh, that those are things that I, I don't know that I'd call it necessary, but but if you're trying to compete with, those level of schools, uh, which Houston will when they move into the Big 12, then it's, you're trying to, trying to match what they have and, and that'll help them do that. Sam, how many Big 12 schools have football ops buildings? I'll top your head. Let me think. Uh, you're saying Tech does, Baylor, Baylor's not, and I, when I say football ops building, I mean specifically only for football. Mm-hmm. Baylor does not, Texas does, uh, TCU, I believe TCU's, that's a good question. I've been in TCU's and I, I want to say it's only for football. I believe it is only for football, but I would have to double check that. And then Oklahoma State, I believe does. Oklahoma does. Not sure about Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State. I haven't been in there, so I'm not sure about them, but definitely at least a handful. Probably I would, I would venture to guess half or more than half, probably. And I think, uh, Chris Pesman, mentioned that they're close to what Andy about a third of the commitment to about, about 30 a, yeah about 30 30 or 35 million in, in so far committed in donations Sam are you part of that third yeah <laughs> no I am not <laughs> I am not I do not I do not get paid enough to be part of that third uh but yeah, they're they're about a third of the way there. They need uh, they're, they're going to look out for naming rights. They're also going to obviously looking for a lead gift as well. But um, you know their their hope is you know to have it done within thirty thirty six months, uh, if not sooner than that. So uh, a lot of that depends on how quick they raise that money. But um, but they're they're trying to push it as quickly as they can. Now let's talk about what. Yeah, I wish I could kick in the rest, man. Because if I kick in the rest, <laughs> we'd be set already, man. Um, colleague Joseph Duarte reported that, that Michael Resco and the American Credit Conference is asking for, I guess, basically a total of 45 million per from UH, Cincinnati, and UCF. What are your thoughts on that? Is that, that just a starting number? The real, I don't see a, a way that, in hell that, that, that seems a little unrealistic to me, especially yeah. considering that UConn got out for what was it, 
seventeen total. It was ten right. the ten exit fee plus the seven extra for getting out a little early. Mm-hmm. And that was I know that was a different situation because UConn does not UConn leaving the American does not have the impact that Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston has the American, and that's going to really damage the conference uh, in terms of its football strength and and its perceived value in the national scale. So I understand why the American is going to ask for that. I, I cannot see a world where any of those schools will pay that. And I, I would imagine it's more of a negotiating. It's like a, Hey, this is going to be where we're going to start and we'll see what we can go from there and try to work it out. There's no doubt that these schools want to get in by 23. They're, they're going to do everything they can. And the notification, which they gave, I think it's supposed to be 27 months or something like that. So, right. uh, they missed to get in by July 23. They would have had to probably notified about five months earlier. So they're missing it just by a little bit. It's not, we're not talking that they're, you know, they're jumping the gun by a year or two. Right. We're really, we're talking essentially one football season. Um, but I imagine this, this indicates to me that it'll probably be some degree of battle, uh, you know, some degree of fight, uh, before they let them out. And it's probably not going to be pretty. I hope it's not as ugly as Conference USA, which right now is not pretty, uh, with Marshall and, Southern Miss and uh, ODU, but uh, but hope, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. But but uh, certainly, I, I could not imagine a world where those three schools pay that much money to get out. Then, go ahead, go ahead. Nor do they yeah, have. I'll I don't go. know that they have the money to get out. To be quite honest with you, like I don't know yeah. that those schools have thirty five million dollars laying around on top of the ten that they've already got to pay to get out. Like that's well, well, that's I mean, the other know, issue. Even a lot of those I don't have it. Andy doesn't have it. You don't have it, Sam. <laughs> Willie's a Ohio State guy. He won't give it give us any of that money. So I, I, I don't <laughs> right. have it. Go ahead, and what were you going to say? No, I was going to say along those lines uh, on the topic of of the Big Twelve or the American Athletic Conference exit fees. Do, do you feel like for for Houston specifically, but also obviously for Cincinnati and UCF that that come hell or high water, they're aiming to to start in the Big Twelve in, in the twenty twenty three season? Yeah, yeah, and, and and we'll I think we'll know for sure probably about a year from now by by February of next year we should know because it was. It, it would have to play out around the same time that we're seeing the Conference USA stuff play out right now, uh, because mm-hmm. schedules have to go out and, and they have to plan and all that stuff. So by this point, a year from now, we should know for sure. But uh, but there has been every intention, certainly from the Houston end of everybody I've talked to ever since this happened and back in the last September, that the intention is to fully go in in 23. Uh, BYU is already going to go in 23, of course, but. The, the rest of those schools would like to go in in 23 and that's the plan. And I think that's, that's how the big 12 would like it. Uh, certainly Bob Bowlesby and company would like it that way. And I know the incoming schools would like it that way because they would like to have their crack at the conference with Oklahoma and Texas still in it for at least a year, maybe two if you're lucky. So, uh, it, you know, and the further we go along without any movement on that front, I, I think it's safe to say that Texas and Oklahoma are probably in for 23, uh, probably cannot leave before 24 at this point, the longer we go along. But, um, We'll have to see. Those things can change, but we'll see how it goes. But I, I, Houston, for sure, is one that, that would love, love to be in the conference with Texas and have at least one shot yeah, at Texas as a conference mate yes. uh, if it can have one in 23. So I, I know Houston's highly motivated to make that happen. And, and Sam, has it changed? Because it, it really seems like more and more Texas, you know, the talk, the consensus, is that Texas and OU will be in the Big 12 in 23. Yeah, I think so. We're, we're, I, I wouldn't say it with 100% certainty, but I certainly feel that way now. When, when this thing went through last summer, I, I would have bet money that they would have been in by 23. But now, 
I just don't think the Big Twelve is not going to budge on how much the exit fees are. They're they're not. I don't think they're willing to negotiate on that front. And there's no reason that they should, because as soon as those conferences leave, it impacts the conference financially big time, and it triggers the ability for the TV networks to redo those TV contracts, which obviously they will not increase in value. I wouldn't anticipate, or if they do, they're gonna, they would. I would imagine they'd stay fairly flat, but. That there, yeah, I would guess right now that probably 24 is the earliest that they go in at this point. I, I think it's, uh, it, it, unless something drastic happens in the next, you know, few months or whatever, I, I would imagine, I, I can't imagine them doing it at the end of this year and just saying, okay, you know, January 23, all right, we're going to declare now that we're going to 23. They, they've got to come up with essentially $80 million each, Texas and OU, which, Again, I know those schools, I don't know if they have that laying around. I think probably could raise it, but, um, that's a lot, that's a lot of scraps to give up to get out of a conference, just to get out of a conference. Yeah. And I, I that's think two years, essentially that's two years. If you put it, just do the math, that's more than two years worth of Big 12 TV rights payout. Like the Big 12 has been paying out $35 million a year in TV rights. So you're asking to get out, you're asking two years worth of TV payout to get out for 23. That's a lot. And I mean, that's where people are, have really leaned that OU would have more of a difficult time coming up that $80 million where, you know, the Longhorns can go to folks like Matthew McConaughey or whatever. <laughs> and then they go into my sock, you know, yeah, we're putting 10 socks and there we go with $80 million to get moving. <laughs> but talking about that, and I know the same, like I said, have you on about 10, 50 minutes. So I want to wrap it up with you. But Michael Resco, Commissioner Resco, he has already said publicly he would like the new six to join the conference soon, as soon as possible, mm -hmm. to basically rebrand, start over, whatever. So he kind of lessened his own leverage by <laughs> by saying that. So you know, good for him. I mean, forty-five million per—that's a starting. That's a hell of a start. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to recoup the money, obviously, for, for the new members because th they're going to take a value hit. There's no yeah. doubt about it. So they've got to maximize. And I, like I said, that's why I understand his position. They got to maximize what they can at this point because just like the Big 12 is going to be, uh, irrevocably changed once Texas and OU are out from a value standpoint, the American is going to hit the same wall financially because not not to say that Houston and Cincinnati and UCF are brands of Oklahoma and Texas caliber, but their football success means that much to the conference, uh, you know, as, as it currently stands. And so, like, could SMU and Memphis be those teams to make that big next step? Sure, possibly. You could UTSA be a, a high ceiling team to get there, you know, potentially down the road as a as a New Year Six type team, so to speak, or whatever that's going to end up being once we expand the playoff. If they expand the playoff. I don't know what the next iteration of this is going to be, but that next big group of five program, sure, the, you know, UTSA is one of those candidates, certainly SMU, Memphis and all them, but it, it will, it takes time to build that. I mean, you, we're talking about UCF who has been successful, has been to multiple New Year Six Bowls. I mean, I think they went back to the Fiesta Bowl as far back as 2014, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Houston, we're talking about a team that went to the Peach Bowl in 2015 and, uh, you know, just, uh, went to the conference championship this year and went 12 and two. We're talking about, uh, Cincinnati, who has been to multiple New Year's Six Bowls. I mean, even back to the Brian Kelly era. So those, 
programs and that success took time to build. It took time to build that brand equity to where they got to the point where they were attractive enough for the Big 12 to invite them. The American, essentially, Resco's vision is hopefully let's do it again, but it takes time. And, the, and in the meantime, it's going to hurt, you know, by losing those those three schools and you're bringing the new ones who are not nearly as valuable and it's going to hurt those TV contracts and it's going to hurt that conference financially. So that's why if you're Resco, you're trying to make all the money you can make now to spread out amongst those members and help them out and help get their budgets up. Just for a comparison's sake, I'll, I'll give you a comparison. Houston's budget right now as an athletic department is $75 million a year. UTSA's is hovering more in the 30s. So that is a big gap that we're talking about. And so that's that's the level. And UCF is in the 60s, and Cincinnati is in the high 60s. So that is the level that you're trying to get those new schools to, which it takes a long time and a lot of effort to get those schools. And I don't know if those those new schools coming in ever would get to that point. And we got a comment from David there. If you think if you team UAs do play each other and it's only for one year, I'm not sure I agree with that. Yeah, I was say I don't know. I don't know that Bob Bowles be looking to do Texas any favors. Yeah, so. that's that's my, that's my plan on that. I'm not sure they would do that. That game would be at Austin. I think they would schedule it at, at TDECU just for old times' sake. I was gonna <laughs> you know? say, you know, the last time Texas played, it was at Old Robertson Stadium, and uh, there was a big hissy fit thrown by. Uh, by Texas fans or Texas administration, I think, because of the accommodations for the opposing fans, which were not, which were admittedly, as someone who was a student there at the time, and yes. I could walk by the temporary stands, it did not look safe to me. Uh, they were, they, it was not an ideal scenario for Houston to be hosting a, you know, blue blood program. But, but, uh, TDUCU is not that. TDUCU is actually a really nice facility and they've done a good job with it. Um, I would venture to guess that if that game does happen, uh, it, and, and it does end up being in Houston. It's probably at NRG just yeah, for, because so, yeah. you could yeah. just make just just from a pure sheer financial standpoint, you can make gate, you know, that way you can put in 70,000 people in there as opposed to 40. So I think that's probably and I don't think Dana Holgerson is going to have an issue with that. But but uh but yeah, no, I, I don't think the Big 12. I don't think Bob Bowles be looking to do Texas any favors in 2023 or any time uh, in the foreseeable future before they get out of college. And one last thing for you, my man. In your opinion, talking with Sam Khan. From the athletic, how long do you think it will take Coach Hogerson to be successful in the Big 12 leading Houston? I think, I don't think it'll be terribly long. I think part of it is I want to see, I would love to see who the quarterback is going to be in 2023. We don't know that yet because mm-hmm. Clayton Toon will be gone. I assume the quarterback that, that succeeds him is not on the roster because I, 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 based on what I can gather out of Houston, I don't think they believe the next quarterback. The guy who's going to be the next per- guy to lead this program is on the roster at this point. So I would like to know that. Um, is it someone, you know, at another Power Five program right now that, that is, you know, a young, you know, freshman, retro freshman, true sophomore that, that wants to come back home, something like that? You know, I, I, I would love to see who that is. The, the biggest challenge will be depth. How long does, cause I, I, they're, they're starting 11 on each side right now. I think probably this year they were good enough to play in the Big 12 as most of those teams. Uh, it's not, it's not the starting 22. It's the next 22. Yeah. And whenever you change a conference and you're playing higher level competition, that's where that challenge comes in. So, uh, being able to, to go toe to toe with teams that have been recruiting that level for, cause these Big 12 teams, especially the top ones, the Oklahoma States, the Baylors, uh, those types of programs, 
those programs are recruited top 30, top 40 level nationally consistently. That's not where Houston can traditionally recruits. They probably will start recruiting a little bit closer to that level once they get in the conference. So I think it'll, I think initially the, the starting level, it's going to be, you're going to have to have some luck early on to be really, really good just because again, you got, you're replacing a quarterback. You need some health things to break your way so that you're, when you're not super deep and you're not have a big 12 looking roster quite yet. I don't think it takes very long though. I think it takes a couple of years maybe. And, and I, I believe the fact that he's been in this conference, he's played in it for eight years. He understands it actually more than that. Cause he was eight years at West Virginia. He was a year at Oklahoma state before that. And then he was an assistant, you know, before that tech. So even more than that, but he knows the lay of the land, knows how to recruit, uh, knows how to build a staff, knows what's needed right now. Like I said, all the st- steps they're taking from an infrastructure standpoint right now are huge. So I don't think it'll be too long. I think probably a couple of years. Until they're starting to have the depth of a Big 12 team, but but if they're lucky again, if you hit the right quarterback and maybe you happen to have enough depth, or maybe you bring in enough transfers on the defensive line or something like that, once some of these guys are graduated, you know maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle and and make a make some noise in that first second year. But uh, you know A and M did that in the SEC when they first got in. They didn't have the depth, so to speak, but they certainly did have some really really good players up front. They had a really you know one one of a kind quarterback and and a really senior laden defense. So the, the circumstance kind of aligned for them that first year in the SEC. That's, that's kind of the luck I'm trying to I mention that you need to catch to kind of just splash in the league right away. But I don't think it'll take too long. And I, I would not foresee them being like a four and eight team or anything like that when they come in. I think they'll come in be, and be ready to compete pretty well right off the bat. Okay. Cool, man. Sam Khan, how can folks find you on social media? S Khan Jr. on Twitter. Uh, and of course the athletic.com. Uh, you can uh, search my name on there. You'll find uh, find my stories on there, my story feed. But uh, I post most of them on my uh, Twitter feed at S K H A N J R. Appreciate you having me, guys. As always, man. Good talking to you. Good to see you, man. Take care. Take care, y'all too. Alrighty, son. Bye. That's what I like about folks talking sports. We can do things like that. Reached out. I reached out to Sam Wednesday, and like I said, I've known him for. Ooh, wow. Probably when he was at UH. So yeah. So when he was a student. So yeah, when he was a student, yeah. So similar boat like you, man. And I met him when he was at the Cougars. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, he could be somebody you look up, look up to. You know, follow his footsteps. So it's always good. I'm surprised. I hope he's right. And I'm curious to uh, get Will thought, your thoughts, Andy. Uh, Bestio's H Town as well. He thinks they're going to be competitive first year in the Big Twelve. I hope he's right. Will? What's competitive? I mean, losing close games and they go... 500. 500. 500. How about that? Okay. Um, 23. First year in the league. But he makes a great point. It definitely depends on who they get for quarterback. Yeah. No question. Without question. Without question. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think really it, it you gotta de- see if they can build on the success that they had last year and, and continue to carry it on into this season. I think, uh, Joseph Dorte mentioned in his Twitter space where they're gonna be, in all likelihood, they're gonna be probably ranked in the top 25 in the AP poll when the season starts. And they're, they're certainly, they're, I think in a lot of the preseason Rankings that I've seen, they're favored to win the American Athletic Conference, obviously, with, with how much Cincinnati is losing, mainly, you know, obviously, their star quarterback in Desmond Ritter. So, 
if they can continue. And again, the schedule that they're going to have, um, we talked about it. They're not going to have to play Cincinnati, and I don't even think they have to play UCF in the no, sir. in the conference portion of the schedule. So it, it seems like they're going to have a lot going for them. I think really, it, I'm going to be curious to see how they play that Texas Tech game again. I mean, this time it's going to be in Lubbock. Um, so that I believe it's going to be in Lubbock, but yeah, um, right. September 10th in Lubbock, yes, sir. I think that's really going to be a good. Certainly, obviously, again, Texas Tech's not uh, at least this past season they weren't a top the top teams in the Big Twelve, but I think that's a good barometer to see, you know, just how how far is there if there's a gap in terms of your like Sam said the, the top twenty two and and the other teams in the Big Twelve's top twenty two. I think it's it, a lot's going to be depend on how they can carry over from the success they had last season because the last thing that Dana Horson and, and the University of Houston staff wants is to take a step back the year I mean, from what Sam mentioned they're, they're trying to get into it by 2023 they don't want to take a step back in the final year in the American Athletic Conference I hope you're right and I think the game at Texas Tech will be a good barometer but I'm going to go the following week on September 17th when they host Kansas because, and this is kind of pessimistic, but you know, like I said, I'm not a fan of Coach Ferguson yet because I think he still has more room to, you know, show me that he's a good coach and beat good teams consistently is to see how they match up with Kansas because Kansas is a bottom feeder in the Big 12, but they are, they've shown signs of life last season. So if if UH does a good job against Kansas and wins that game, looks good doing it, that to me is an indication that UH won't be dead last. <laughs> okay, so they won't be the bottom. So let's go for middle of the conference. In first year, I'll take that. First year, Big 12, they finish in the middle. I'm good with that. So, but definitely it all, it, first things first, gotta get a legit, excellent quarterback. But, uh, Mr. Gibson, question, comment for you from D. Skills Ace Town. Uh, back-to-back losses by, uh, Ohio State, and I'm assuming this is basketball, right, Mr. Gibson? Uh, yeah, yeah. Are you concerned? No, no, we talked last week. This, this is, uh, um, last night was their 10th game in 25 days. So, I mean, they're playing basically every other day, every every three days. They had a couple of uh, reschedules in there, uh, the Iowa game and the Nebraska game due to COVID. So, no, I mean they they're playing again every every two days, every three days. They they lost. Uh, they played without two starters. Um, the last two games, uh, last night against Michigan State, they did win. Uh, they did lose in Nebraska, which was a bad loss, but they lost. They were playing without two bigs. So, you know, it's, they, they have to get healthy. You know, they play Sunday, uh, senior night, or senior day. It's a one o'clock start, uh, senior day against Michigan. Um, and they're right now, uh, in fourth place, which is the last place for the double box in the Big Ten tournament. Okay. So that's going to be crucial for them to hold on to that game ahead of Iowa uh, for a double bye. So they can give them a couple extra days to, to rest up and get healthy. But um concern, no, it's more so about the rest at this point. You know, get through Sunday and, and get ready for the, the Big Ten tournament. Now share with the audience what you 
sent me a few minutes ago about um, networking that the Ohio State is doing with its student asset, <clears throat> student athlete. Yeah. Um. A couple things. Uh, Urban Star, Urban Meyer started uh, this when he was uh, head coach. It's called uh, Real Life Wednesdays, and every Wednesday he would bring in uh, Fortune 100 CEO, um, someone in the professional world, non-sports related, to speak to his team and get them ready for off the field. And so tonight. They held a uh, job fair where high school football, football players were able to network with uh, 50 plus companies uh, at the yearly job fair for, fresh, for personal and professional development. So the entire team was present. 50 plus companies came in and in job fair style, players were able to network and uh, gain valuable connections. Fantastic. So that's something to, I think UH does something similar to that, it may not be on a scale of 50, but they do something like that. Well, I know uh, basketball does it for men and women's basketball, I think. So it's good to see. I think it's needed for the networking opportunities for the athletes. And uh, even more so now in the, in the this, you know, day of NIL. So Rockets, Nuggets. About to tip off in a few minutes, gentlemen. Rockets have lost, uh, what is it now? 11 straight? Is it going to be 12 straight? The Nuggets, yep. Yep. In Denver, it's going to be 12 straight. Okay. They don't have Jokic, Joe. What's that? He's out playing? I didn't even look at that. I put out there, uh, let me see. I just screenshotted it. Yeah, he's not playing. Yeah, that's right. But, non COVID uh, that's right. Demarcus Cousins is going to be the starting center for for dinner. So, that'd be interesting. So Boogie Cousins is going to get a chance to go at one of his former teams, and he's just a different kind of big. He's not a point center as Jokic is, but uh, he he's a big dude. And the Rockets have problems going against big dudes. Uh, you know, see if they can get Demarcus in pick and rolls and things of that sort. So he has a problem with that. But anyway, if the Rockets don't win in Denver tonight. They got Ja and the Grizzlies at home on Sunday. Ooh, no, no, uh, now that you might as well go ahead and pencil it in. It's a loss. Will, you agree? I do. Okay, then after that, Monday, they go to Miami. That's three. Well, what? 14? That's 14 in a row. And the big Wednesday. one. Wednesday. Wednesday. And who'd have thought this? That's their chance. Who'd have thought this, Will? Wednesday, March 9th, the Lakers. Just to be shy. <laughs> nah, I think that's the get-right game for Brian and the fellas, man. I'm sorry. Get-right game? You don't think it's a get-right game for the Rockets? <laughs> <laughs> that that yeah. game, man, seriously, that could be the get-right game for one of those two teams, man. Get, get The get-right game for the ping-pong ball, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Mr. Gibson, I believe you are celebrating another trip around tomorrow, sir? Yeah, about right? three hours. Three yeah. hours and three hours. T minus three hours, yep. Celebrate that uh, safely, sir. Congrats to, to make another year. And uh, mine's on the 14th and Andy's yours is on when? The 11th? 
The 11th, yes, sir. Okay, so. Week from today. Week from today, so happy birthday to you. And let me put it. it. So, um, D Skills H Town. We, the three of us would like a, a birthday present from you. Yeah. Um, so make that happen, sir. So, you know, do what you can within reason. Uh, something to celebrate the, the uh, birthdays of the folks talking sports crew. So once again, thank you to Sam Khan from the athletic for joining us tonight and giving some insight that I hadn't really thought of. So appreciate that. And uh, we're going to kind of condense everything now to roughly around an hour show. So we're going to shut it down and talk to my guys uh, off air for a little bit about the new venture that we're probably going to reach out and do. But let me plug. I, I missed it. But, uh, Andy, you got Paul Samajama up there, which, which I'm glad to see. But how, mm-hmm. how can folks find you exactly. on Twitter? Yeah, on Twitter, they can follow me at my, at Ayanis underscore five. That's my personal Twitter account. Uh, I don't know if this will work. So Chris, I mean, you might probably might need to, uh, you might, uh, cry. I don't think we're going to end up working. Okay. Cause I, I, I found it so we can. That's, that's us for the three of us right there, the individual Twitter account for us, as well as folks talk sports for the show. So, yeah, but, um, no, I was just going to plug something that we were going to do. That, that's why I said at Podtime, at Podtime Ajama on, uh, I guess my name plate right under there. As you see it on the window this Sunday, immediately following, well, not immediately following, but, uh, following the Houston University of Houston men's basketball game against Memphis Day on Dunlap. A couple of the other um polls that, that we're going to get together, we're going to do a live Twitter space, we're going to do a live podcast that we, we kind of figure out how to finally record, and it's going to be immediately following the University of Houston men's basketball game against Memphis. We'll, obviously, we'll be talking about uh that game, uh, so hopefully they play at least enough starters so we can have some content out of it. Uh, but anyways, obviously, of course, the American Athletic Conference tournament is going to happen right after, and obviously, of course, into the NCAA tournament. It is March, so what's the saying? The road starts Sunday at the end of the regular season. And I mean, this is the best time of the year, not only for, for us because of our birthdays, but obviously, of course, March Madness. Agreed. And I, I think we need to figure it out. I don't mind y'all using the audio. We need to see if we can do that here, stream it. And after, I don't know how we're going to do it, um, after a game, whatever, but some, Let's see if we can do it for you racing the tournament, the NCAA tournament. Have everybody day on and, and, and y'all on here on StreamYard and have everybody see our faces. And if some of us have faces radio, uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but, you know, just try something different. So, you know, yeah. put that out there for discussion, for thought. So we can make that happen like that as well. And I'll Mr. Gibson, how can, how, how can folks find you, sir, on social media? Uh, thank you, Chris. You can find me on, um, Twitter and Instagram at Will Gibson Seven, uh, as the the scroll says. Um, also, uh, Facebook is the uh, Will Know Facebook oh. page. Did that? Did yeah, that I, I figured it out. Sorry, Will. I, I figured out how to use technology to get that. Well, cool. All right, no, no problem. Go ahead, Will. <laughs> no, that's it. That's it. Okay. And let me get plug that real quick. Yeah, plug it because I can I can pull it up. There. I mean, yeah, because you you are. You have some controls too as well. So I saw. Can you see this? You got to pull up on the screen, add it to the stream. Mm. 
So let's see if we can make it a little bit bigger. Pause on my jamma. Try. Can you see the what? Can you see the let's rage coups? Yeah, we can see that. Yeah. Um, that's all we need. The let our let's rage coups, and we we count up. We we made up a catchy name for it. But obviously, save the date. Sunday following University of Houston men's basketball game against Memphis. Uh, our entire Potsdam at Jamma group, we're going to do a live Twitter space. Um, so set the reminder, feel free to, to engage. That's, that's what we're looking for. We're trying to be that kind of avenue. I um, mean, it's something you don't really have here. I mean, I know they, they have the, the radio, of course, that does the games. Um, Jeremy Branham does a good job for, for 950, KPRC 950, but right. they, don't, they don't really have a post game, you know, uh, and that's, that's what we're trying to do. So any U of H fans share, spread the word. And see, that you guys have the same idea that I have, and I would like to see grow, and if we can combine the platforms to do it, because I think there is an audience and a need for post-game shows of that sort for UH athletics, for other teams, but... But that gets the gears going that, because then we could we could have someone you know get credentials, we could have someone right. do the last feed of post-game audio, we'll have a, a genuine post-game also. I want, we need sponsors to make that happen, to support us to do those things. If you believe in what we're doing, you believe in the vision that we have, we have a lot of ideas before that, that we, we, the platforms exist, as we've said many times in previous shows, the platforms exist for us to share content with the audience and reach uh, folks that UH doesn't reach. And they're, I'll uh, just, uh, lack of, of, um, what am I trying to say to be nice? Um, uh, leave something to be desired marketing efforts. So we have it. We have the platform. We have the ideas. So it doesn't have to always be football. We can talk football, but there are other sports as well. Music, athletics, Olympic sports, you know, all those things. The platform it's is there. You can do this year round, but sponsors, alums, we know you're all out there. Some of y'all have money. Okay. We're not that, but we are asking you to support us to help promote UH athletics in a different way. But I'm also tossing it out there because tomorrow, tomorrow evening, Texas Southern University at the H and P E Arena, they host rival Prairie View. Women's team, women's games first at 5:30, men's game after that, starting around 7:30, 7:45. So. Rice, TSU, HP, we can do that too. Post game shows, platform exists. We can do all that. Here on Folk Talk and Sports, we can have a different name for it. We can add a, you know, all be under the Houston Brown Bar View umbrella, like I'm doing with football, with Adolphus AD Moore. We can do that. This stuff exists for us to grow the audience and grow with y'all and grow coverage and help generate interest in other sports to probably help generate revenue for UH. <clears throat> Especially to probably get some of some butts in the seats for the football games. <clears throat> hint, hint, there. Hell, even get some butts in the seats at women's basketball if y'all care, which looks like y'all do. But anyway, we say all that. Sponsors uh, reach out to us, get in touch with us. The technology exists for us to 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 share content with an audience, different audience, larger audiences. So, Chris Pesman, what's the the guy who got promoted, Andrew Pate, is that his name? Andrew Pate. Andrew, Andrew Pate. Pate. D-Skills A-Town, hit up Andrew Pate. We got this platform. There are other platforms 
that the cover U8 athletics to do things like this. But Steve Texanian, bless him, thank him for supporting and sponsoring this show this season. But the sponsorship ends at the end of college basketball season. So we're going to need to be looking for another sponsor to carry us through. We want to have sponsors all the time. We can do live reads and all these great things during the show. We can play commercials during the show. I learned how to do that. Have my time on KWK on lunch break. So there's different ways to reach different audiences and grow. And like I said, we're going to have Christian McCollum. She'll be joining us next week on Play Action Pool, Play Action Podcast to talk about that platform and work with him to help him grow and help us grow. So as you wrap it up, I'm Chris Gardy. Find me on Twitter at VHR Review. You can find us, Folk Talk Sports, on Twitter. Keith Rombard Review's been around since 1994. Oh, I know what I wanted to say. <clears throat> Wrap it up. Mr. Yanez is so young, he did not recognize the intro oh, song no. that I was, that I did on my YouTube <clears throat> shorts today. Mr. Gibson did. Kudos to you, Mr. Gibson, for recognizing it. And absolutely. did I do okay, sir? Did I, did I, I, I had the bars down all right? It sounded good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that. So yes, you can go to Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube and check out the, the YouTube shorts and trying to do that a little bit more. Just another way to reach out to a different audience. You know, it's like a 45 second to a minute hit or drops. I'm, I may start singing some more, man. You know, maybe some more old school jams because the new stuff I really don't know. So, but yeah, all those things we say to wrap it up. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Folk Talking Sports on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. We'll see you next week. And I mean, we could make a prediction about UH Memphis, but I think Memphis is going to win. Um, okay. And I think it means more to Memphis than it does to UH. But. I'm not going for the sweep. UH players and the coaches, they're going to try to win. Okay. They're going to compete. But if they lose, they lose. They're still conference champs for the regular season. They're still going to be fine in the NCAA tournament and just keep it moving. So as always, thank you very much for your comments. We still Zay Town, David, Jay. Thank you as always. We'll see you next week. Everybody take care.